0: I'm Sienna. I'm the kid. I'm Sarah. I'm the mom. This is Queer Kids Straight Mom. Let's talk.
1: Welcome back to Queer Kids Straight Mom. We hope everybody had a good holiday and that you are having an inspiring new year so far. Today, we are talking about free speech and how it applies to... LGBTQ rights, and the community. Free speech has always been an important part of any movement of marginalized people, because there is a lot of protest involved and a lot of things that make the status quo groups uncomfortable. Came across an article from the American Bar Association called "LGBT Rights and the Free Speech Clause" by Kara Engelhart, Jamie Gilksberg, and Lee Farnsworth. It put this idea into words really well. Courts recognize that speech or expression that discloses a person's sexual orientation or gender identity, sometimes referred to as coming out speech, is a profoundly valuable viewpoint entitled to First Amendment protections. Further, a person's right to define and express their gender through their appearance, for example, the right both a transgender or cisgender woman share to wear a dress or a suit and express themselves in accordance with their identity, is protected free expression. They go on to say, if individuals are likely to refrain from engaging in constitutionally protected speech because of the fear of sanction, then that self-censorship creates a cognizable legal claim that entitles the individual to a remedy from the courts. This is known as the chilling effect of the statute. The fact that an unconstitutional statute suppresses otherwise protected speech is a sufficient injury to support a legal claim. So this all makes a lot of sense, right? It is a First Amendment right that you express yourself your sexual orientation, your gender identity, and the way that feels right to you, and that there is a legal repercussion if somebody makes you feel like you can't do that without threat of some kind of punishment or bad result.
0: Yeah. And, you know, historically, it's not just a matter of a sort of tangential consequence or threat. You know, there have been laws as recently as the second half of the uh, 1900s outlawing cross-dressing, essentially. So that, that is a matter of free speech, just like that quote there pointed out. And yet it hasn't historically been protected, not just in terms of you know social ramifications, social ostracization, but also as a matter of fines and prison time. I'm
1: going to dive right in with a really controversial question then. Get this conversation started. I would need a legal expert to weigh in on this. But to me, that means both That businesses should not be able to discriminate because people aren't free to express themselves if they think that the business won't serve them if they express themselves. But wouldn't it also mean that if this First Amendment protection sort of outweighs all other laws, that the business owners also have the right to express their beliefs without threat of repercussion? How do we reconcile that?
0: Yeah. So First Amendment rights first don't outweigh all other rights, laws, etc. The Supreme Court has gone through a whole variety of different tests related to different elements of the First Amendment. The First Amendment protects the right to speech. It protects the right to religious exercise. It protects the right to protest. It protects the free press and so on. And so for each of those different segments, the court has developed a, a set of different tests, basically balancing things like the right to public safety, individual rights, government functioning, and so on, with the right to free speech. And despite the fact that the First Amendment says the right to speech shall not be abridged, that, that's not how the court has interpreted it at all. So when you're looking at the right to express yourself or the right to express your beliefs, whether it's religious or otherwise, those are always going to be balanced against things like the rights of the person you're in opposition with and also the well-being of the public. So this perspective is that
1: these acts of discrimination put people in danger,
0: Yeah. So acts of discrimination are a violation of the 14th Amendment, which states that everyone has equal protection under the law. And recently, actually, I think it was 2021, the court ruled that, you know, the 14th Amendment does include sexual orientation and gender identity. And so that is another constitutional right that if you choose to discriminate against someone on the basis of their sexual orientation or gender identity, you are not just exercising your right to free speech in a vacuum. You are actively undermining another person's equal protection under the law. So what that means is that the court then has to balance those two things. And generally, in my opinion, the fact that These are things that are taking place in the public sphere. They're taking place in, you know, a business, say a cake shop. That means that, you know, you chose to open a business. You chose to participate in an industry that is open to everybody that you can expect that any couple, any person might walk through your doors and ask for a cake or a website or any manner of thing. And because you are participating in the public sphere, you you do need to accept them as a customer. Now, I think it gets a little bit murkier when you get into things like a wedding cake, a website for a wedding. incidentally, there's all, there's a whole other thing with that website case that we don't need to go into, but. Um, but when you get into those things, it does get a bit murkier because it is speech, right? You're not just discriminating, I don't want to sell you a dress you're discriminating. I don't wish to create something that is a form of speech. I don't wish to promote a queer wedding with my speech. So I do think it gets a bit murkier. I still personally think that to refuse service to a person on the basis of their sexual orientation or gender identity is fundamentally abridging that other person's rights via your free speech rights. And so therefore, it's not just a pure exercise of speech. It's using your speech to attack someone else's rights, which then moves into an unconstitutional territory. And this is different then because, you know,
1: it's where I initially went and I've heard other people go there too, to say, well, if I were a baker, I wouldn't want to make a cake with a swastika on it for somebody. But the difference being that Nazis are not a protected group,
0: Yes, and also from a from a sort of ideological perspective or an identity perspective, like no one's like, ah, I was born a Nazi. I just can't help it. I'm so discriminated. <laughs> like no, that's not that's not a thing. You chose to be a Nazi and your ideas are actively harming other people. So you know, they would in many cases not be considered protected speech in other contexts. whereas I would like a wedding cake with two grooms on it, is not harming anyone. That speech is not harmful in any way to anyone whatsoever. And so there's a sort of public well-being difference there as well. Well, and the perception of it being
1: harmful is really based on probably the misconception that a lot of people have that being gay or transgender is a choice. And that somehow by getting married and wanting a cake, you're like flaunting that (laughs) cracks me up in a not haha way, but like, wow, kind of way when people are like, I don't care if they're gay, but like, don't flaunt it as if heterosexual couples aren't like everything we see all day. Every bit of advertising isn't based on attracting people of the other sex.
0: Right. As if, you know, we're not like running around with opposite sex cake toppers and like weird cringy couples t-shirts and like onesies for babies about how he's a ladies man and like all of this heterosexual (laughs) propaganda. Right.
1: People are funny, which leads me to Pew Research did a study. This is from spring of 2023, and 60% of Americans said they believe business owners should be able to deny services in situations where providing them might quote, suggest support for beliefs about lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender issues. What do you think of that?
0: I mean, that just seems like, of course, like the slippery slope fallacy is a fallacy for a reason. And we don't want to just say, well, if you do that, then it will lead to all sorts of bad things with no actual linkage. But but it seems like a slippery slope to me because I, where where do you draw the line there, right? Like, again, I do understand the argument when it comes to a wedding cake or a website or so on and so forth. Like, I understand the concern there. I disagree with it, but I understand how people can reasonably disagree over that. But, you know, it, like if you are selling clothing and a transgender woman comes in and wants to buy a dress... Can you say, no, I'm not going to sell you a dress because that would be showing support for transgender women? Can you do the same thing with a manicure, right? Which is unhinged, by the way, because also men can wear nail polish, but I don't think these people care. Um, but can you do the same thing with a manicure if a trans woman comes in and says, I would like a manicure? Can you say no? Can Here's an example. Could a tailoring service designed to tailor suits for shorter men deny services to a transgender man who wants to use those services because... A lot of men's clothes are not accessible to him. Could they deny him services because they're like, no, serving you would be indicating support for transgender men. Like, there are all sorts of things that would get into really dangerous territory from my perspective. In things that are no longer dealing with speech, they're not even necessary. You know, in the case of just a shopkeeper, they're not something you created. They're not your speech. They're goods that you purchased to resell. To people that you are now saying, no, that indicates support for someone else. Like that gets into really uncomfy territory. And so I don't think that stands up. That like you can't consistently apply that standard without just, yeah, just discriminating in a bad way. I think even most people who probably said yes to that question without necessarily thinking too deeply about it, I think if you started playing out those scenarios, a lot of that 60% would be like, ooh, maybe not.
1: The American public responding to something without thinking about it.
0: What a concept. <laughs> so as far
1: as freedom of speech goes, what other areas do you think you know, have come into play in an important way for the LGBTQ community?
0: So one interesting area that I think hasn't really been explored and I don't hear talked about a lot, but I think could be very relevant is the Supreme Court's fighting words doctrine. Now, this is something that's not used very often and hasn't been used for quite a long time, since sometime in the later 1900s, I think. Anyway, that's the case that I'm thinking of. But the court has held that there are a few different forms of speech that are not protected. The classic example is you can't yell fire in a crowded building crowded theater, right? Because that would pose a threat to public safety. Another form of speech that the court has ruled is not protected speech is fighting words. That is speech that is so egregiously offensive and so valueless. A reasonable person would have no option but to respond with violence, which is a little bit interesting. There's a lot of Supreme Court stuff that's a little bit interesting. Um, I like the assumption that it just goes straight to violence. Right, not you, like you, there are no
1: intermediate steps. We're going straight to violence.
0: Sometimes you can really tell when men have been <laughs> on the court for hundred and fifty years. Anyway, <laughs> nonetheless, that is a doctrine that exists, and one example of a case was, and I'm I'm not remembering the details of this a hundred percent, but basically this dude. He might have been a Jehovah's Witness. There are a lot of cases involving Jehovah's Witnesses, like so many cases. I don't know. I guess Hmm. they just, they get on people's nerves, but they're also Christians. And so they have the benefit of the doubt from the court, I guess. This guy basically was doing something that like annoyed people. And so then he got arrested. And as the cops were carrying him off... He call- basically called them, like, damn fascists and, like, insults kind of on that level. And apparently that was fighting words, which personally, like, I'm sure cops hear worse than that all the time, but, like, whatever. So, anyway, that was considered fighting words, and he was actually able to be uh, arrested and charged with disrespecting the police. I don't know. Anyway, the court held that as not protected speech. So, to me, what that then should mean, if we're being consistent... Is that hate speech, like pure hate speech with no like no policy talk, no nothing speech that's just like, you know, fags burn in hell is not protected speech. Right.
1: So when we were at that rally and that guy was writing the little messages on his whiteboard,
0: you know, I've like tuned that out um like I don't really remember what what he the one that I remember was like only two genders or something like that I don't yeah I don't remember enough to be like that was so offensive that it would be considered fighting words he was he was grammatically
1: challenged enough that I don't yeah I don't know if it like the pieces fell together enough to be that offensive anyway I was just curious
0: But what I I think would be an example is our listeners have heard of the Westboro Baptist Church. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your mind has been blighted with their presence, but they are basically just a hate group. That's They they just hate everyone, basically, including the military, weirdly enough. They Hmm. think that the military is promoting the gay agenda or something. I I don't know. It's weird. They're weird. But so again, another interesting Supreme Court case where the Court actually ruled in favor of the Westboro Baptist Church was they showed up to this dude's son's funeral with all of those signs like, the you know, the classic Westboro Baptist Church signs like, you know, fags burn in hell, blah, 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 all sorts of really hateful, horrible stuff that it just yeah, just reprehensible. And at a guy's funeral, right? But they weren't in the cemetery. They were outside the cemetery. And so the court ruled that that was just like them expressing their religious beliefs or whatever. But if we were to apply the fighting words doctrine, like you are basically implying that this guy's son is a pedophile and is going to hell and so on and so forth. And all of this stuff, like that would absolutely be considered fighting words if you're showing up at someone's funeral and saying all of this stuff about their son, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, a lot of what people are saying about the LGBTQ community that they say is free speech because it's just their belief isn't really protected because what they're saying, the way they're saying it, is so offensive.
0: Right. And, you know, Beck. I think if you if you were to have a big, long tweet about how gay marriage is bad policy, because one of the things that people would say, I guess, is that it would let people get married for tax benefits without actually being in a relationship, which my dude, have you heard of lavender marriages? <laughs> but anyway, so it's it's stupid, but I guess. It's it's still like an actual policy argument. You're like debating the merits of a particular policy as opposed to just gays are sinners who will burn in hell. We can't promote this.
1: People need to chill.
0: Yeah.
1: So you and I had an interesting conversation at the mall the other day because we passed, was that the mustachery? Yeah. That had a hat or a shirt or something along the lines of if you give up your freedom of speech, you will be led with the sheep to the slaughter or something. Do you remember what it said? Some
0: kind of quote along those lines.
1: And Sienna, you said, Well, I agree with the sentiment, but I have a feeling I don't agree with how you're using it. And so then I was like, Well, that's really interesting. Like, if we agree with the same thing about free speech, but we don't agree with somebody else saying it because of what they mean by it. Is that hypocritical? And then we kind of, you kind of explained your perspective, which was...
0: Well, it's not that I you know, I don't like Republicans. And so therefore I disagree with freedom of speech when they want to use freedom of speech. Like, yeah, Republicans have the right to freedom of speech. Sure. Democrats also have the right to freedom of speech and so do independents and so on and so on and so on. But it just so happens that when Republicans talk about freedom of speech, they tend to be using a different definition of freedom of speech than the definition that I use. So when I talk about freedom of speech, you know, I'm talking about um, all of the things that I've outlined throughout this podcast episode. I'm also talking about, you know, the right to religious speech, not just for Christians, but also for you know, indigenous people who want to use peyote in their rituals. And I'm talking about the the right of protesters to protest without getting tear gassed. And, you know, there are a lot of cases, actually, where People that I generally disagree with on a lot of things, I still think have had their First Amendment rights violated. So, for instance... I would say that I very much disagree with the Mormon church on a whole lot of things. But I also think that when the Supreme Court ruled that polygamy is not constitutionally protected, they made a huge First Amendment mistake because that would be completely inconsistent with all of the First Amendment standards that we have developed in the last you know, 120 years since that ruling. It's not that I only agree with First Amendment rights when it's people that I agree with. It's that when certain people talk about First Amendment rights, they don't mean all of that stuff. They don't mean those rights. They mean the right to shout slurs at a gay couple on the corner.
1: Which then sort of gets into that whole thing where it happens on both sides. But I'm going to go ahead and say that it's more of a conservative thing or at least started there, the whole cancel culture thing somebody is not allowed to speak somewhere or somebody cancels a book deal or somebody pulls advertising because someone has said something that is harmful, that is dangerous, that is um, defamatory, or like you said, fighting words. And then they scream cancel culture. You're canceling this person. You're taking away their right to free speech, even though they're banning books. And, you know, it, it just, there's a lot of hypocrisy there, but that, yeah. I mean, I, I guess my point is there are two different sides, meaning two different things about free yeah. speech. And I think that maybe for people that haven't read a ton about constitutional law and whatnot, they think it is just words also, right? Maybe not this understanding that your freedom to express who you are is protected by the First Amendment as well. Right. Whether somebody is offended by what they perceive as a man in a dress or not, it is that person's right to wear what they choose to express their identity. Mm-hmm. So what about the argument that because the far right wing has done a really effective job of linking pedophilia and LGBTQ people. What's your perspective on when somebody says, but it's not okay for this person to express themselves in this way around my kids because it's dangerous. They're not my, I'm protecting my children. Does that, like, would that eventually work its way through evidence? Like somebody in court is going to have to produce evidence that which they would be able to because it exists, because it's true that LGBTQ people are not dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then that would get thrown out because you're you, the case you're making that it is dangerous is ridiculous
0: for you saying like, imagine if, um, a, you know, there was a, a gay preschool teacher and a parent was like, no. Yeah. Or a space
1: where kids go, where, Grown-ups are saying we're not going to allow gay people or transgender people in this kid's space because Mm -hmm. we want them to have a safe space away from that influence.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that would just be basically what you said. It'd be like, this is discrimination. And then person would be like, it's not discrimination, it's safety. And then you would be asked to provide evidence that it's a matter of safety and there would be no evidence evidence because let me reiterate again,
1: research consistently shows there is no link. This is a made up thing. This is demonizing people you don't like. This has been interesting. I really, really enjoy getting to bounce all of these ideas off of you, Sienna, which is why we do this. As always, we would love to hear any thoughts or perspectives that you would like to share with us. On our next episode, we are so, so excited to welcome back Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr, who we interviewed before the legislative session and are now talking to again after a lot has changed in her world. Look it up. She's really cool. So in two weeks, we will have that interview for you. And in the meantime, choose your words wisely. Don't start fights. We'll catch you next time.
0: Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, interesting, or just mildly amusing, please consider rating and reviewing us on your podcasting platform of choice. It really helps us to get the word out there and spread this information as far as we can.
1: And as always, check out our website at QueerKidStraightMom.com or visit us on Facebook, Queer kid straight Mom, Instagram at QueerKid.StraightMom, or Twitter at queerkidstr. The number eight, mom.
0: And if you're feeling especially generous, please consider joining our Patreon by searching Queer Kids Straight Mom. It helps us fund this podcast.